0: This is a teaching from Grace River Church in O'Fallon, Missouri. Our prayer is that this sermon will help inspire you to take the next step of your faith with Jesus Christ. Welcome to Grace River Church Online at Home. My name is Jacob and I am the Next Generation Pastor here at Grace River. And I am so glad that you've chosen to watch us here today. I hope that you're encouraged, that you're able to take a next step in your spiritual journey. Again, if this is your first time, thank you for joining us. I want you to know that you're always welcome here at Grace River, every single Sunday we have services at 8:30, 9:45, and 11 o'clock. I want to encourage you: come and check us out one Sunday. I would love to meet you. Our pastors would love to meet you, and and I just can't wait for you to join us uh, at church on a Sunday. Uh, today we are in week three of our series called "Grace and Grit." If you, uh, if If you have not joined us yet, make sure that you go back and you watch the previous two weeks. They're they're great weeks, and, and it'll catch you up to speed with week three that we're on here today. So if you watch week one, Pastor Chris introduced this idea that salvation is a free gift that will cost you everything. And maybe you're here for the first time, and you're thinking, what? That doesn't make too much sense, right? That's a little contradictory. Like, if it costs me something, then it's not free. That doesn't make any sense. So... I want to break this down for you if this is your first time or or maybe you've watched many times before and you're just still kind of confused by it. Again, it says salvation is a free gift that will cost you everything. So that first part, salvation is a free gift, meaning that you can't earn it, you can't achieve it, which also means that you can't lose it. Uh, Ephesians 2:8 says that God saved you by his grace when you believed, and you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. All that you have to do is believe and receive the free gift of salvation. How amazing is that? Now, it's a free gift, but it will cost you everything. So what do I mean by that? Well, when you make Jesus the king of your heart, the king of your life, your life is no longer the same. Jesus takes the authority of your life, meaning that nothing is going to be the same. You're not going to be the same person. You're not going to be able to do the same things that you were able to do before Jesus. When Jesus comes into the equation, it's gonna cost you something, and oftentimes it's gonna cost you a lot, but I can promise you this one thing, it's totally worth it. Second Corinthians 5.17 says that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone, a new life has begun. Again, when you give your life to Jesus, your life is changed forever. It's going to cost you something. Somebody whose life was changed forever uh, in Scripture that we're going to read about here today is, is a man named Paul, which uh, is somebody that, we're, uh, he's somebody that we're looking at throughout the, uh, throughout the rest of this series, and we're learning lessons from the life of Paul. And so maybe you've never read Scripture, or maybe you're a little confused by who Paul is. I want to break this down for you. So before uh, encountering Jesus, Paul, simply put, was just one messed up dude. Paul was known as, as, uh, as Saul of Tarsus. He was a very religious person. He was a young man who was on the rise. He had a big following. He was a really smart guy. He had this uh, massive following of people. And he worked for the Sanhedrin, which uh, in our day and age is a lot like the Supreme Court. And at this time, Judaism was the main religion. And, and uh, with Judaism being so big, there was this new, uh, there was this new wave Of religion that was coming in, and it was Christianity. And Paul, being a Jew, he did not like the fact that this new wave of Christianity, this new wave of a religion, was coming in. And so what he did was he committed his life to to eliminating this new religion, so much so that he would imprison Christians. He would um, even kill Christians. Like, I said it earlier, but Paul was one messed up dude. He Didn't really give a rip about people, especially if you were a follower of Jesus. You didn't want to come face to face with this guy. But Jesus changes everything, right? Saul experienced Jesus on the road to Damascus. It's an amazing story. You need to go read about it. Um, it's It's a powerful testimony of God's grace in somebody's life. You think about the most messed up person that you know personally. Paul was probably 10 times that, and he was able to experience the transformative power of God's grace in his life. Jesus does what Jesus does best and he changes his life forever. And so today we pick up in this part of Paul's life where he's preaching that Jesus is the true Messiah. But then something weird happens. In scripture, there's this gap of time where Paul goes silent for three years. And so today I wanna talk to you about what God was doing in Paul's life during these three years. And these weren't just the three years where he was being lazy and not doing anything. As a matter of fact, these were three years that God was molding and shaping Paul into the person that we read about later in Scripture. What Paul was experiencing and learning is that salvation is a free gift that's going to cost him everything. And so today we're going to be in Galatians 1, and so if you have your, if you have your phone, if you have your Bible, it's also going to be on the screen, I want to encourage you. Uh, Go to Galatians 1. That's where we're going to be spending the majority of our time here today. Uh, But to give a, a preface to the book of Galatians, Galatians is a letter that Paul wrote to the churches in Galatia. And he's warning them to stop adding to faith in Jesus. And this is something that the Galatian Christians struggled understanding, right? What Paul is coming in and saying is that it's Jesus plus nothing that equals everything. And again, the Galatian, uh, the Galatian Christians were really confused by this. What, what had happened was that they were being influenced by Judaizers, which come from Judaism, the main religion at this time, and they were saying that circumcision was required for salvation. So, man, I would imagine, right, like that would cause a little bit of uh, trouble in the house. The wife would be like, hey, let's go to church today. And the husband's like, man, are they still doing that one thing? That uh, If they're still doing that, I think I'm going to stay home. I'm going to watch some football on TV. I'm going to do whatever I I can do to not go to church because I don't want to be a part of that. But that was one of the biggest rules of Judaism that that they were, uh, that the Judaizers were telling these new born-again believers that they had to bring in to their Christian faith. And Paul hears about this and he gets really frustrated. And And he he gets so frustrated to the point that he writes this letter to the Galatian Christians saying, guys, you've gotten it all wrong. It's Jesus plus nothing that equals everything. So this is where we pick up in Galatians 1, and we're going to be reading verses 11 through 24. I know it's a lot, but bear with me. We're going to breeze through these pretty quickly. So uh, verse 11 says, dear brothers and sisters, I want you to understand that the gospel message that I preach is not based on mere human reasoning. I received my message from no human source and no one taught me. Instead, I received it by direct revelation from Jesus Christ. It's in this moment that he is writing to these Galatian Christians who have their priorities all mixed up. Again, it's Jesus plus nothing that equals everything. He's writing to them saying, That the words that he is speaking to them do not come from man. They don't come from himself. They come directly from God. He's, in a sense, really gaining credibility with these people saying, Guys, don't, don't, don't shoot the messenger. This is me speaking on God's behalf saying that it's Jesus plus nothing that equals everything. He got this message from direct revelation from Jesus Christ. And then we pick up in verse 13 and 14 and it says... You know what it was like whenever I followed the Jewish religion, how I violently persecuted God's church. I did my best to destroy it. I was far ahead of my fellow Jews in my zeal for the, uh, for the traditions of my ancestors. You see, Paul, right, what he's doing here is he's pointing out who he was before Jesus. He was a big deal in the Jewish religion, so much so in, uh, that he was trying to eliminate this this uh, Christian religion that was coming in. He, he was trying to eliminate every single Jesus follower that he ever encountered. encountered. And I love in verse 14, he's, he's, a, he's a little bit boastful here. He's like, man, I was, a, I was far ahead of the people that I surrounded myself with. He was far ahead of the acquaintances, the other people that were his age, the other people that he grew up around. He was one smart guy. And then you pick up in verse 15, in verse 16, and it says, But even before I was born, God chose me and he called me by his marvelous grace. Then it pleased him. How amazing is that? Then in verse 16, it's, it says, uh, Then it pleased him to reveal his son to me so that I would proclaim the good news about Jesus to the Gentiles. When this happened, I did not rush out to consult with any human being. So I want to I focus on that first verse, verse 15. Right, like how amazing is that? Even when Paul was a knucklehead, or, or let, let me say, it, when Saul was a knucklehead, going off and killing Christians, imprisoning Christians, beating Christians, he reflects on, on whenever he's writing this letter to the Galatian Christians, and he's reflecting on the power of God's grace in his life. And he's remembering that through his rebellion, through this phase of him being a knucklehead for most of his life, He's remembering that God was still in control of the outcome of his life. And then in verse 16, it explains why Jesus was revealed to him. And it says in verse 16 that he was, uh, the Son was revealed to him so that he would proclaim the good news about Jesus to the Gentiles. Why is that significant? Well, for Paul, Paul was a Jew. And so if you were a Jew... You didn't want anything to do with the Gentiles. So much so, again, that whenever he was a Jew, he was, uh, he was imprisoning and persecuting uh, uh, the Gentiles and Christians. And what happens is he says that he was called by God through his good mercy and through his marvelous grace to proclaim the good news to the Gentiles. And I just think that through God's love and mercy and maybe even his humor... I think that it's kind of funny how God calls the most devout Jew to reach the Gentiles. And then we're gonna jump down a few verses and we're just gonna jump to verse 23 and 24. And it says, The one who used to persecute us is now preaching the very faith that he tried to destroy. And they praised God because of me. How powerful is that, man? How powerful is God's grace in this, in these two verses, man. They used to perse- he, he used to persecute us and now he's preaching the very faith that he tried to destroy. You know what God is doing in the life of Paul in this moment? He's changing him. He's transforming his heart. He's changing his character because before the public platform, there is private transformation. We, we learn this through the life of Paul, many other people in Scripture, and even in our own lives, that Character is built over time. God is preparing you right now for what's to come, for the struggles that are going to be later in your life. He's preparing you right now. Maybe you're going through a struggle. God was preparing you then for the struggle that you are enduring right now. Again, character is built over time. So grow through what you're going through. Don't use what you're experiencing right now or maybe what you're going to experience in the future as a time To put your head down, to bury your face into your hands, and to walk away from God. As a matter of fact, I want to encourage you to lean into God in those moments. Lean into His power, lean into His grace, and grow through what you're going through. Later, we learn that Paul would experience some major hardship, right? Like, Paul would experience the very thing that he was doing to Christians in his previous life before Jesus, He was experiencing beatings and imprisonment and and riots and and just a lot of hard days, man. A lot of days where I would think that Paul didn't want to wake up, but he did. And he was still mission focused and and he was remembering who God was and what he had done in his life. And he was praising God for it. And I believe that Paul was able to endure what he had gone through in the the future, uh, in the future of what we read about in Scripture, because of the private transform, uh, transformation of this three years that, that we read about in Scripture. I mean, I really think that if Paul didn't have those three years where he, he, where he would lean into God, we wouldn't be reading about him today. But I really do believe that God used that transformation period. And so what can we learn through Paul's transformation period? First, I think that we need to learn to talk less and to listen more. This is why he takes three years To get ready, he's letting Jesus mold and reshape him into the person that we read about later in Scripture. This was a time for Paul to devote himself to prayer and to study and to meditation and to just spending quiet time with God alone. And we too need to follow Paul's example. You know, I say to talk less and to listen more because oftentimes we want to tell God how to plan our life. But instead of us telling God how to plan our life, we really need to sit back and to spend time in prayer, spend time reading God's word and listen to his plan for our life. God, let it not be my agenda, but your agenda for my life. And whatever you're calling me to do, God, I pray that I would have the courage to do that because I know that your plan will far, is far better than my plan will ever be. And so we need to talk less and listen more. I imagine that this was a period for him to really listen and to lean in to God's power. The second thing that I think that we can learn from Paul's transformation period is to rethink what we have always thought. Some of us have this idea of who Jesus is through growing up in church or maybe being told what to believe as a kid. And and a lot of us have this bad theology of who Jesus is and what He has done for us but I think that this is the time where we, need to, where we need to decide today that we're going to examine the person of Jesus for ourselves. And this is the gritty part to our faith, right? There's this grace and grit to our faith. The first two weeks, we really talked about the grace. And this is the dirty work of our faith. This is the gritty part that, that gets hard. But man, let me tell you, it's so, so worth it. There's this grace and grit to our faith Grace is what we receive, but the grit is what changes us. So, man, it's time that we heed the call and that we answer that call to say, man, I'm going to follow the gritty, the gritty work that God has for me. I'm going to surrender to the gritty grace of God in my life. Because let me tell you, God wants to change your life. So, man, when was the last time that you let God change your life? When was the last time that you let God reshape your life? Here, I have this spiritual growth survey, and so I really do believe that every single person that's watching this falls into one of these four categories. We have skeptic, seeker, a circumstantial Christian, and a self-feeder Christian. And so I really do believe every single person watching this falls into one of these four categories. What does it look like for you personally, not the person standing next to you, uh, not, not not your wife, not your husband, not your kids, what does it look like for you to grow forward on this chart, to become a self-feeder, because my prayer for you is that you become a self-feeding Christian. So maybe you're a skeptic, right? Maybe you just don't believe in Jesus and you you don't believe that that God is the creator of the universe. Maybe you're an atheist and you're watching this. Man, I want to encourage you. Thank you for watching. I want you to know you are always welcome here at Grace River. We invite that and we want to help you grow in your spiritual journey. What does it look like for you as a skeptic to become a seeker? I man, what does it look like as a seeker, you know, that a seeker is somebody who's seeking out something that's greater than themselves. Man, what does it look like for you to become that kind of person? And if you're, a, if you're a seeker, if you think, man, there has to be something that created this world. There has to be a higher being out there. And maybe it's Jesus. And I'm going to spend the next month spending time seeking out the person of Jesus. What does it look like for you if you're in this category of being a seeker? What does it look like for you to give your life to Jesus? That's what the cross represents. I want you to know maybe you're here today and you've never heard these words. God loves you so much so that he sent his only son Jesus to die for you on a cross. And the hope that I have that I want to share with you today is that Jesus didn't remain dead. As a matter of fact, Jesus resurrected from the dead and there's power in that because your sins are to be forgiven. And you now have the opportunity to enter into an eternal relationship with Him all because of the power of the cross. And so what does it look like for you as a seeker to enter into a relationship with Jesus and to believe and receive the good news of Jesus? And maybe you're stuck here at the cross and you don't know what to do. You're, you're this new born-again believer and nobody's ever instructed you on what to do, man. I would love to help you take that next step, man. What does it look like for you to become this circumstantial Christian? Because if we're honest, a new believer doesn't, doesn't just turn into a self-feeder within the matter of a day. It takes time. And so you're gonna naturally become this circumstantial Christian. What does it look like for you to be a Christian who you know it is not wavered by circumstances? By, by, the, by the good, the bad, and the ugly that happens in your life? And what does it look like for you to become a self-feeder? Because, again, my goal and the staff here at Grace River, our goal is for you to become a self-feeder whenever the waves and the wind happen in your life, whenever you, you really can't see the light at the end of the tunnel, whenever you go through hardships, you still remember where your feet are planted, and, and you remember that your feet are planted on the firm foundation of the decision that you made to follow Jesus. What I would love for you to become is this self-feeder. Again, examine where you are on this spiritual growth survey and decide, man, I'm going to spend the next two weeks, I'm going to spend the next month, and I'm going to commit myself with all of my being to take a next step in my spiritual journey of following Jesus. Maybe it means rethinking what you've always thought. And maybe... What you need to do to take that next step is to go all in. I mean, can you imagine if Paul didn't go all in? We wouldn't have half the New Testament. We wouldn't be learning lessons from his life here today. He he wouldn't be the person that we talk about here, here today. Paul got to experience his full potential because he committed to going all in. And you don't get to experience the full potential of what God wants for your life until you commit to going all in for Jesus. Guys, listen to me. God doesn't call us to play it safe. It's going to be hard. Again, this is the gritty part of our faith. This is time where we get on our hands and our knees, and and, and we get our hands dirty. This is hard. Let me tell you, it's hard. But again, I've said it Three times before, and I'm going to say it again, it's the rewarding part of our faith. God doesn't call us to play it safe. Man, I used to look at people, and I used to think, God's never going to use me in the way that He uses that person. That person loves God more than I I will ever love God. That person is a better person than I ever will be. But man, it's then whenever I, I recognize my need to go all in, and God changed My life, and He can do the same for you. The key to unlocking the potential of what God can do in your life, guys, is by going all in. I'm gonna say it again. The key to unlocking the potential of what God can do in your life is by you deciding to go all in for Jesus. And so today, as we close out, I wonder what your next step is. I have three really quick next steps. And I pray that you would have the courage to take that next step. Here today. So first, listen to what God wants for you. Second, examine Jesus for yourself. And then third, go all in. What do you think your next step is? And I pray that you would have the courage to do so. Again, there's this, grit, uh, there's this grace and grit to our faith. And today I really talked about the gritty part of our faith. And it's hard to, to swallow that pill sometimes, but it's so worth it. And God wants to use you if you decide for Him to allow that to happen in your life. So I pray for you. I, I pray that you would have the courage to, do, to take that next step in your spiritual journey. Again, I want to encourage you to join us in one of our three in-person services at 830, 945, and 11 o'clock. I hope to see you there. Have a great week. Go and be a world changer. Uh, and I'm going to pray for us as, as, we're, as we're dismissed here today. So God, we love you. We're so thankful for who you are and what you've done in our life. God, I pray that we would have the courage to take the next step. God, I, I, I'm so thankful that Paul decided to go all in in his relationship with you. We're so thankful for, for your grace in our life. And, and it's so cool to look at the life of Paul and to see how you have decided to use this really far, far messed up guy who is persecuting Christians and killing Christians to now reach people who are far from God. God, I pray that you would do the same in our life, that we would recognize that no matter how far we think that we are from you, that you still want to use us, that you still want to use us for your honor and for your glory. God, I just pray that we would step up to the plate, that we would recognize uh, the gritty part of our faith and that we would uh, do it with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. God, we love you and we're so thankful for who you are and what you've done in our life. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for listening. We would love to see you at one of our in-person services that meet on Sunday at 8.30, 9.45, and 11 a.m. If you feel so inclined to give, you can do so at www.graceriver.cc. Have a great week.